Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. Podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Gabby. And I'm Emma, and we are both card carrying members of the Infertility Club. Hello. Good day to you. How's it going, guys? Um, how are you? Oh, mate. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm good. I've had um, Alice Rose calls it the Corona Coaster, doesn't she? I've had yeah, I've had that's a very good phrase. It is a good phrase. I think everyone's yeah. experiencing it. I've had one of those weeks. I had a very low point on Wednesday, probably the lowest so far. Really? Um, yeah, oh, just mate. oh yeah, just not good. But then towards the end of the week, my favourite coffee shops just opened, reopened. Yeah, and I got a new jumpsuit. Oh, which mate. I'm currently wearing. Oh, mate. Um, Where's the jumpsuit from? It's from Lucy and Yak. Oh, I haven't even heard of that. It's like a Brighton-based um, company. They do lots of very brightly coloured dungarees and jumpsuits. So look a little bit like a 90s TV presenter for kids. What colour is your jumpsuit? Describe it for the it's, listeners and me. Okay, I will. Glad you asked. It's like <laughs> cornflower blue, I'm going to say. Oh, beautiful. Oh, I mate. bet it brings out your eyes does Emma it really does you know um and it is cinched in quite tightly at the waist and it's got that kind of boiler suity kind of looseness around the bottom area lovely and uh you know a little uh no sleeves so sleeveless and uh, yeah it was meant to be warmer today than it currently is so I'm feeling like I might Mm. be a bit underdressed actually um I think you're gonna have to post a photo I will I will yeah. I, I look forward to it. Um, and I'm about to go down and partake from my local coffee shop. I'm just so happy it's open. Oh my um, God, we've got a new coffee shop that's just opened. Oh. And I'm I'm going to go and do the same thing after we've done this. Oh, I just can't wait. It's so, so nice. Excited. Do you know when like, because we, we kind of know the guys that run the, the coffee shop now because we go there so bloody often. And so it's kind of like re- them reopening. It's like... It feels like a little bit of normality is coming back and a little bit of the yeah. community is kind of coming back together, which is quite yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it means I can stop trying to make my own banana bread. <laughs> Crucially. Uh, I'm, I'm quite excited about checking out this new coffee shop because imagine oh. if they've got like dairy-free cakes. Oh my God, mate, I'm so happy for you. What else is going on with you? Well, I've had, um, <laughs> I've had a bit of a funny week. Um, there'd been some deaths. 
Oh. But that's okay. We're, like, we're okay with that. Um, but also, I've just, I've really responded to lockdown this week by, the same as you, just buying. <laughs> yeah. Spending a lot of money. So I actually, at the moment, have absolutely zero income. Like, John's industry is shut down, essentially. Mm. Um, I am not getting paid. Uh, so this week seemed the perfect week to spend £300 on a frock. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, <laughs> all I've got to talk about at the moment is what I'm spending money on, because that's literally all I'm doing is just sitting mm. on the computer and spending money. But this year, I've been really, really, really careful about buying clothes, because I realised I had a bit of an addiction to just like, I'd get paid and then I'd go on ASOS and I'd spend all my money. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. On like things that I didn't really like that much. So this year I was like, right, I'm going to stop buying loads of clothes. I'm going to start using what I've got in my wardrobe. And if I do buy clothes, I'm going to think about it really carefully. I'm not just going to go and impulse buy stuff. So as a consequence, I've bought one item of clothing this year. And that was a beige top from Uniqlo. Okay. In like January. A little bit uninspiring. A little bit uninspiring. So... This week, I was just scrolling through my Instas and I saw this dress advertised and it is like midi and made of a kind of seersucker fabric that is all the colours of the rainbow. And I was like, I need that dress. (sighs) So I went on the designer's website and all the dresses, all her dresses are made from dead stock, which is like used up rolls or almost used up rolls of fabric from other companies wow um so they're all like super sustainable yeah guilt free um guilt free and it's it's all pre-orders so she doesn't she doesn't like make loads of dresses and then they just sit in the stock room she like gets orders in and then and then gets busy and and then gets busy making them so it's all quite like ethical and sustainable which i which appealed to me yeah um and now hopefully soon i'm gonna have this like amazing technical address i'm just gonna wear all summer i mean it looks like the kind of dress that you need to be kind of bouncing through meadows like sniffing flowers and you know feeding john strawberries i think that's what you need to do (laughs) yeah i did um and r quite a lot and send you lots of pictures and say should i buy it and you were what i would call an enabler (laughs) yeah definitely i support that kind of thing anytime mate you need to you need to get that past john just come to me yeah cool so yeah i mean that's basically been my week is um responding to deaths by buying rainbow items i think that's a fair response I i do think there's something in like people buying really bright colors and like like responding to this whole thing with really bright colors our mm. neighbors well the, last week as you know we co- we painted our our front door this like bright coral color yeah and now our neighbors have painted theirs bright yellow this is, i think everyone's using lockdown to do doors man our next door neighbors done yeah. their door as well bright yeah. blue I just think everybody's like suddenly, and I like mainly wear black and navy. Those are that's my uniform. Yeah, it's true. Most of the time, and I've just suddenly, like, started wearing all these mad colours. Mm-hmm. I just think it's some it's some response, some kind of we need visceral to, response. Yeah, to we need to lift ourselves. 
we need to lift ourselves we need yeah, to lift our moods lift our moods absolutely um talking of lifting moods no nice um thanks as you know last week clinics were finally able to start applying to open indeed um and anybody who follows our instagram we've been kind of trying to keep everybody up to date with the clinics that are open um or that have been given the go-ahead to open Mm. um as much as possible i i tried to program a twitter bot that would do it for me didn't work i was wildly impressed even though it didn't work i'm still impressed yeah i'm doing it manually now but um we've had quite a few people um email in or message in and and ask some questions. So I got in touch with the HFEA on Friday. Um, so the questions that we've had, one of them was to do with the NHS and NHS funding. Some patients have reported that NHS funding has been put off until July at the earliest. Mm, okay. Um, so when we said to the HFEA, they were kind of confused by that and said they hadn't heard of that happening. So their advice was to call your clinic if your clinic is saying that they're not going to take H- uh, NHS funded patients until July, they the HFEA said you have the option to ask to transfer your funding somewhere else, which I thought was a really interesting. That's a really good idea. I wasn't aware that you could do that. Yeah. Obviously, if you, they said if you're at the beginning of a cycle, so if you haven't started your cycle yet, if you're kind of in the middle of a cycle or, you know, you've already had your eggs collected or whatever, that's going to be a huge faff. It may be a huge faff anyway, mm. but you can certainly explore the option. Um, I, I just thought that was a very, very interesting point that I'd never heard of. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also, you know, we've been hearing from some people whose clinics have been so bad at communicating during all of this. So it may be that you don't want to use that clinic anymore. You have the option to transfer your funding. Wowzers. So you can kind of shop around a bit if you mm. want. That's very cool. Um, I am not sure how you do that. So I, the HFEA said contact your clinic. It may be that you have to contact your CCG. Just, you know, call around is the best thing to say. And um, we've had a couple of people talk, ask us about Scotland. Scotland. Scottish clinics, according to the HFEA, are able to apply to reopen, but the lockdown situation over there is different, so they have to take into account different circumstances. Mm, yeah, of course. Um, so, again, we should be starting to see those. Nicholas Sturgeon has actually encouraged IVF clinics to open. Has she? She has. Good. So, um, it may be that we start to see slow reopenings in the next week or so. Fantastic. That's the two kind of main questions that we've had. If there's anything that you'd like us to put to the HFEA, um, I'll call them again on Friday. So, get in touch with me before then. Cool. Yeah, get your questions in, guys. Get your questions in. On to this episode, I guess. Indeed. Surrogacy. Yeah, surrogacy. So we're speaking to the lovely Emily Ransley. Um, She has... We've known her for quite a while. We have. Um, And we've got very drunk with her on one occasion. (laughs) Um, Actually, on several occasions. Um, Emily has something called Asherman Syndrome, which is very very bad scarring of the uterus we've talked about it on here before with claire who we spoke to about surrogacy last time yes and emily's also opted for surrogacy in ukraine but because of the coronavirus situation there's a twist oh my god yeah it's just one of the most frustrating stories that we've heard isn't it 
Yeah, definitely. Um, it's just, it's just when you kind of, you've got some good news and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so obviously, yeah, we'll let you guys listen to that and see what happened. I feel like we're very timely with this because the BBC News did a big report on it last Yes, week. yeah, I've seen a few things dotted around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just a quick note that while we were talking, Emily had her window open because it was a hot day. So you can hear some kind of kids playing in the background. So if that's going to trigger you, then maybe don't listen to this now. Yeah. Um, but it's only it's actually only really towards the end of the interview that that starts. Yeah, then we've got Liz and Nick, obviously. And they've been handed some more curveballs by the sound of things. <laughs> God. Curveballs can just fuck off, really, can't they? everywhere. Just bouncing everywhere. Oh, God. Ducking and diving. <laughs> um, yeah. And Professor Tim. We've been talking to Professor Tim about unexplained infertility. Yeah. That old chestnut. Just one of the most annoying di- non-diagnoses that you can get. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is it all about, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And yeah, and then that's it. Yeah, that's the show, guys. So if you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs, wondering what you should do for the next half an hour or the next hour after you've listened to our podcast, you should uh, maybe rate and review us. Yes, and like and subscribe us. Like and subscribe. Subscribe to us. Indeed. And uh, you could also follow us on our socials. Yes, you can. You can follow us on Instagram at Big Fat Negative, on Twitter at Big Fat Negative, on Facebook Big Fat Negative, uh, and <laughs> we we should just lump them all into one one day, you know. Oh, no, no, no. I, think I feel I'm... like we draw it out. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. and you can email us Big Fat Negative Podcast at gmail dot com. Please enjoy the show. Good thanks. Let's see you. I know. Funny that. Yeah. In our kitchen. Yeah. So, uh, what have you been up to this week? <laughs> this week, we went for a second opinion at, I forget the name, <laughs> but what felt like a small industrial state just outside Cardiff. Yes. Um, we went to CRGW. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Which is the. Centre for Reproductive Gynaecology Wales, I think. Passable. I have to double check that. Clearly I wasn't paying that much attention. Yeah. How, how, how did it go? <laughs> you were there. I know, but I'm asking you. Okay. It's part of the uh, interviewing, yeah. is it? Yeah, okay. Um... I didn't love it. So just to give a little background, really, um, we thought that it would be wise to get, I guess, a second opinion, and they offer this free um, second opinion uh, appointment. So we thought it's free. Why not go and, and see if there's something that we haven't thought of that they're going to chuck at us? Um, so that was our reason for going along basically and yeah it didn't it didn't change my world if I'm honest why not well I felt like we were really rushed and obviously this has nothing to do with the advice that they gave us um, 
and very much about our experience of the place. Um, felt quite rushed and it didn't really feel like it gave us anything extra, would no, you say? No, there, there's apparently a third protocol we could try. Yes. Which uh, made me chuckle internally. <laughs> yeah, you can tell I took this all in. Um, I mean, we were literally in there for 10 minutes, weren't yeah. we? So it wasn't as if it was... And she left the car park before we did. Yeah, yeah, she did, yeah. Um, But, you know, if anyone has ever done a uh, consulting appointment, follow-up appointment, um, you know, it it basically followed the similar format. So us explaining what had happened before and then her telling us what she thought we we could do next. Yeah. And what did she tell us we could do next? Well, if, it were, if we wanted to have another more conventional round of IVF with our, both our stuffs. Our stuffs. Our stuffs. Uh, she suggested, was it, is it the antagonist protocol? Yeah, which I thought we'd done already. So I was a little well, bit confused. Well, it, it felt a bit like, um, well, you try these two, uh, try this one. That was kind of without any real backing towards it. Yeah, it was basically, you've done those things, they didn't this work is, for you. Yeah. Do this thing yeah. and add these things into it. Yeah. Which included and were not limited to um, testosterone gel, which I haven't heard of before, and uh, a double trigger. Yeah which I've seen people do, but I hadn't ever had it suggested to me. Um, and we also mentioned, because I don't know if you remember, but we, in our follow-up with um, the NHS, the consultant suggested that we add this calcium element into the um, ICSI process, um, which may help to um, activate fertilization. Um, so we asked about that and asked for some opinions on that and she didn't seem that keen, did she? No, her thought was um, because we'd had one fertilised egg yeah. that indicated that we didn't need it but she'd chuck it in anyway. Yeah, she wasn't against it but she was very much a case of I don't think that's your problem. No, that you you wouldn't need it you've shown signs that you can fertilise eggs yeah therefore I don't think this will have a massive impact that's the yeah and she was kind of the first person to basically say it's a numbers game yeah and your numbers have not been great so so if nothing else we we learnt a bit more about that calcium thing but even that was at the time it was like the NHS saying this didn't work so we could try this yeah and that's essentially what they did as well this didn't work so we could try this without any real like sorry the cat's the cat's hanging around wanting some fuss Um, she never normally pays us that much attention so um, yeah so it basically just feels like you say let's chuck stuff in because we don't really know because it Unfortunately, I think that is just the nature of the beast with IVF. Yeah. But I think we didn't have any tests with them. It was just a look through the file and it was, you've tried this, so, well, do you want to try this? Give it a go. Yeah. 
Um, we did discuss the uh, concept of donor eggs. Um, similarly to the NHS, I brought it up because, you know, it was kind of um, very much of the opinion that, you know, if we do this again, we're only giving it one more shot. Um, and similarly, she didn't really um, give us any more information than we'd already kind of been told as far as odds and opinions are concerned. No, it was... She, she, yeah, she said it was like it was the best chance for us. Yeah, which we, which we already knew. Yeah, and I think from their point of view, they didn't have an egg bank they use... Do they? No, they don't, no. So we'd have to go on a waiting list. Yeah, which would take up to about a year. Yeah, between six and 12 months. Um, or we could go to Spain, um, which I'm not massively keen on. No. And I don't know why that is, because obviously I've seen quite a few ladies who've had success abroad. Um, no, it's just stuff like this. You just want to be close to home. But also I just, like... I don't know, I'm finding the whole concept of thinking about using donor eggs um, alien enough, Yeah. if that makes sense. I'm kind of getting my head around the possibility that we might do that. And so to do that and then to do it abroad, even though it's cheaper, just feels like one concept too far. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying that in a you know in a, in a you know judgment of anybody else, but for me, it just seems like that. Yeah, I'm not really that excited about that prospect, and I'm not sure how much cheaper it will. I would like to see how much cheaper that would work out because I can't because you've got to pay for flights, accommodation. Yeah. Because I'm on holiday, I'm going to Spain. Well, yeah, definitely. You know, you're not going to be like. I think you know some people do go over for you know, a couple of days and come back. But yeah. Yeah. You just have to be over there for a minimum amount of days, I'd imagine. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't really know too much about how it works. Um, to be honest, you know, we've chatted to a few people who, who um, have, have have done it as an option uh, or have elected to, to do it. Um, so, you know, it's it's not, it's not uncommon, but I think, yeah, it's, it's got to work for you, hasn't it? I think yeah. it's a, such a personal process anyway that you just have to be really comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it didn't really throw up too much new. No. I think it clarified that, yeah, the only thing... Well, not the only thing positive, but it was that calcium thing that it almost debunked what the NHS... So I think that's what caused you a bit of difficulty with the NHS when they threw that into the mix. Yeah, and I mean, I still... You know, there, there's that tiny part of me which thought, well, oh, but we could mm. we could try this and we, we could go with, with my eggs because, like, ultimately that's the goal, isn't it? Like, that's the sort of dream is to have a baby that's 50% me and 50% you. I think and probably about seventy-five percent you, twenty-five percent me. I don't think that's allowed. Um, but so when somebody like chucks that at you as being a potential option, it's you know yeah. all hope is not lost. Then, 
Yeah. But you maybe it's good it. that they sort of said that wasn't going to be the, the the same miracle cure for it. No, I mean, she was very clear about your odds are at this level, yeah. which is significantly below yeah. a donor egg option. So, you know, like I said, my logical brain is yeah. very much like... Because I think we talked about if, if we had enough money for two goes, then maybe we'd have another go... Yeah, definitely. As standard. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, money is obviously an issue. Yeah. Um, and we could keep going in indefinitely because there's always a capacity to make more money. But I think emotionally... Yeah. We just have to draw that line. Yeah. Um, so whether or not it's making a decision to move on from IVF completely or to move on to another option we're at that point where we just we're ready to make that move down that path I yeah think, aren't we? I think yeah it's just a a massive emotional roller coaster it each is. time yeah because like you say someone chucks in something ah but this yeah and you just then almost second guess yourself yeah it's Am I shortchanging ourselves if we don't give that new option a go? Exactly. Because that's it, isn't it? You want to be the one to, you want to be making sure that you're making yeah. the best choice. Um and, and it goes back to the fact that we have established that I'm a massive overthinker. Yeah. I think I was a bit concerned. Not for my let's say I don't I think it matters which one of us is which side is donated. But I was worried she would go, actually I think it's your side that should um Donate so then we'd have two different clinics and one saying we need to get have donated eggs, other another clinic donating sperm, yeah. and then we then we that would throw us into massive confusion. So that's I think that was my concern with every time we go in to get a second opinion, I'm worried that they're going to tell us something different that's going to make the decision a bit harder. Yeah, and and that that goes back to the fact that every time we've gone into that room a room a consulting room wherever it may be we always come out feeling a little bit like we've been knocked sideways yeah. especially when you're not expecting it that seemed to be the worst when you when you go into like what you thought was a fairly standard appointment yeah and then they tell you something different yeah so again we've had two um meetings one with the london women's clinic and one with um crgw where We've come out with solid information mm. that has hopefully will help us make that decision about what we need to do. Um, and, and no major, major surprises, which has mm. actually been quite nice. Yeah, so I think initially, initial thoughts for London's Women's Clinic, did that change for you? Not really. Um, I know that, you know, um, a lot of people have had um, really positive um you know, experiences with CRGW. Um, but I think for me, if we do elect to do the donor route, I'm just, I, I want to get on with it. I'm not prepared to, to kind of wait six to 12 months to try and find somebody to be linked with. Um, and and the, the benefit of going with the London Women's Clinic is that they do have the, the London Egg Bank. Um, so I think maybe we need to look at exploring a bit more about the bank and how it matches people and to see if that's something that we're comfortable with. Um, I don't know what you think about that. 
Yeah, I, I, I think speaking of trying because you pick your own, you pick from the, the selection essentially. I think I just I don't want to overthink that because re- really at this stage, what does it? As long as you get healthy eggs. I mean, we want to vaguely look. I was going to say, <laughs> I'd quite like it to look a little bit like me, her, the lady, to look, you know, similarly to yeah. me, i.e. have similar hair colour. I, I think I'm just, I never like the idea of choosing between one, it's, it goes back to choosing between one child and another almost, it feels like, which I know is a bit silly because you're essentially just pe- yeah, it's interesting because I was reading something the other day about, weirdly, in Take a Break magazine. Nice. I know. And it was about, um, they'd done this survey about, uh, you know, how good or bad are you morally? And... Um, yeah. <laughs> a uh, psychological journal you're reading there. Citing my sources here. Yeah. And a foolproof experiment. <laughs> One of the elements of it was all around science and the ethics of choosing the sex or um, the sex of your child or certain characteristics of your child, which I think they do have the option to do that in the States. But it kind of did put me into a bit of a headspin, really, because in to some degree, by selecting a donor, we're doing something, obviously to not that extreme, but it's kind of like a similar sort of concept yeah and uh, it was interesting that like you know say i think it was like 40 odd percent of people thought that it was the wrong thing to do and it almost felt like a little bit of a mm. of like a judgment yeah. on me by the readers of take a break magazine oh it's easy to make those calls when you're not in that situation now isn't it massively so yeah so i'd like to really explore a little bit more about how does the matching work? Is it just a case of us, you know, clicking that little add to cart button? Um, or do, do we get a bit of help with it? Also, what's the counselling we're meant to have? Implications, Implications. counselling. And we, we're told we don't really need... No, so... We've had all we need. I think so. So once we've made our decision, I guess, and we've, you know, we've, we've decided if it's for us or not, then... I guess we can just go ahead. Um, but they brought it up again at the, the this meeting, didn't they? That we need implications counselling. Yes. So I'm not. I'm not like. Are they sure that we do? We can find out, but we're not even there yet, so we don't need to worry too much about it. Yeah. Because we haven't made that decision yet, so we can just. Yeah, because we when we initially were inquiring about it, we are told. We needed it, and then we went for a, like a, a meeting with them, an actual meeting. They said we didn't. <laughs> yeah. We'll find out when we actually decide. Yeah. So that's something else to to look forward to, or not. I just always like to know what we need to do. I, I understand. I think I want to get halfway down the line. Say stop. You you haven't done this. Let's do this. Well, we haven't even decided yet, so we've got plenty of time to worry about that. Anyway, so that's what we'll do in the next couple of weeks, I think, is to do some egg bank matching exploring. And next, I've got to read that book about adoption. Yes, you do. Yeah. So, yeah, it'd be good hey, to chat work. about that. Bring, bring a bit of a literary flavour yeah. to, to next week's yeah. podcast. Yeah. Well, we will catch up. What with was you. the other book you were telling me about to read as well? 
Oh, uh, it so, takes three or something. Like yes, that. Janet Rutnow, three makes baby. It so, takes three yeah. sounds better. It did. <laughs> Do you want to give her a ring and ask her to change the title? Um, yes, she is a. I think she's an American psychologist who's written a book about donor conception. Um, so that's next on my list as well. So, yeah, we're going to do a couple of literary reviews um, of things that we've read that hopefully we will have found helpful. Um, but, yes, on that note, we'll uh, catch up with you next week. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Emily. I feel like this conversation is so overdue. It's so nice to finally have you on. Yeah, thank Thank you you so much. Thanks, girls. Um, So as you know, we always start by asking everybody to tell us about their journey. So Uh, what's yours? My journey? Um, (laughs) So where do I start? Um, We started trying for a baby in 2015, so five years ago now. and I was 35 at the time, so I was kind of aware that, you know, things might uh, take a bit longer. Um, but in 2016, fell pregnant, um, actually following in just a random IUI. Okay, <laughs> I don't really know. One. A random IUI. Um, I don't actually know why, because we didn't have, you know, any issues at the time. But I mm. think we were just kind of desperate um, yeah. to get, to, get uh, to fall pregnant. Um, and then fell pregnant and was super happy, obviously. And then at, um, we had heartbeat scan at uh, seven weeks. And then um, at 11 weeks, I had a random private scan because, you know, obviously being anxious that everything mm. was okay. Mm. And the scan showed that um, I'd had a missed miscarriage. So, which was traumatic at the time. Um, and then I was just really desperate to um, have it removed, I guess, mm. for lack of be- better better words yeah had an ERPC um a couple of days later and what is an ERPC an ERPC so it's um a DNC so it's an uh, ev- evacuation of retained products oh, um that, that lovely phrase which is horrible term. Uh, basically uh, exactly which is you know a scraping and I um yeah. so 
I remember the doctor at the time saying uh, it was a really tough one, but obviously didn't mm-hmm. just, I was just relieved to be able to move on and, you know, hopefully start trying for a baby soon again. And then I sort of, I had my period actually, but I knew something was up. So again, I will, for some random reason, get, went for a private scan maybe two months later and saw that um, quite a large piece of the fetus was still um, in my uterus. So then I marched into the EPU, um, you know, <laughs> screaming and crying and saying, you know, you, you have to help me here. Um, which actually in hindsight was probably the most traumatic um, we- few weeks of, of the journey, so to say. Um, and I had a second ERPC at, I think I would have been 20 weeks by then. Um, obviously, I wasn't pregnant, but it was, yeah. it would have been 20 weeks. Um, and then, you know, felt relief. It was just, I think, just before Christmas and just kind of a new year, you know, start again. Um, we, again, we tried to get pregnant. Nothing happened. We actually then got help in the NHS. Mm-hmm. And it was just the doctor that we met at the NHS doctor said, why don't we just check your uterus, you know, to see that everything's okay. So... I was signed up for a hysteroscopy, I think, 10 weeks later. But, you know, 10 weeks then felt like it was totally fine to wait. Um, you know, went to the hysteroscopy, quite happy. I thought I was just going in for a random checkup, you know, <laughs> go home yeah. an hour later. Woke up about um, two to three hours later and turns out that um, I had had something called Ashman syndrome, uh-huh. which is scarring of the uterus. Um, did they tell you, when they told you that, did they, you know, immediately let you know what the the kind of implications of that would be for, for calling pregnant? No, so I, there were complications actually because um, they, obviously they told me before I went in, you know, they said, you know, we're just checking for scarring and I, mm-hmm. you know, I sort of didn't expect anything um, and they said if there is anything we will remove it during the procedure which they try doing and by removing I mean basically burning the scars in your yeah. uterus. Mm-hmm. Um, there are different ways you can do it but um, and they accidentally um, burnt a hole through my uterus, so they punctured my uterus. Oh. So I then had stomach surgery, which meant that... Um, oh, Emily. I guess I had to stay in hospital for a little bit. So that was sort of, you know, I obviously woke up to all this, <laughs> not knowing what had happened. So there was like s- several traumas, but I had, I'd never heard of Ashman syndrome, really, and I hadn't put two and two together. And um, and then, yeah, they, did, they, said, they said, you know, the, I remember the doctor sitting on like my, the side of my bed saying, you know... Um, IVF would probably be your best chances because basically what ha- happens when you have scarring of the uterus. So if you think of the, obviously the uterus, we have the endometrium and it's, you know, builds up and it sheds every month when we have our periods. Mm-hmm. But when you, you know, when they do an ERPC, they go in and kind of blind, they do with, they, they use ultrasound, but they don't always see. So they go in and sort of, you know, it's very graphic, but suck out and kind of scrape your uterus. And, and if, if you're, base layer is damaged basically scarring forms so just think of your mm-hmm. finger being you know if you cut your finger it forms a scar normally the uterus doesn't form scars but in some some instances when there's been trauma it does mm. okay. so um yeah and I, uh, yeah i remember the doctor saying you know ivf is probably your best chances because we can build up your your uterus with with hormones so I didn't know anything about Ashman syndrome. So I then went home and like went crazy on Google and researched mm-hmm. and realised that actually it was quite a serious condition and panicked because they, they said we had to stop the procedure because we punctured the uterus so you might still have some scarring, which then mm-hmm. filled me with panic because if there's scarring, you know, and you fall pregnant and um, that can, you know, the baby might not be able to grow properly, etc. So I then went and saw 
an A-lister. So there are a couple of doctors in the UK who are specialists in mm. this condition. Mm-hmm. So I went and saw an A-lister and had a second hysteroscopy. Um, and then actually it turned out that my, my scarring had been cleared. Um, but the problem I've had since is that my uterus and my endometrium doesn't really grow thick enough. Okay. So it was sort of damaged at the time. Um, and I don't know, fast forward a few years, we've had, I think, 10 IVF cycles, um, including wow. some with uh, PGS normal embryos, so embryos that have been tested. So that would, this gets us to about last summer, I think. Um, so a number of, you know, heartbreaking cycles, which you girls know, mm. know all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started exploring um, other options and basically to see whether, whether to pursue surrogacy or not. We don't really, you know, you can't tell for certain that it's, you know, um, that it's my, you know, my uterus, but it's just not accepting embryos. Yeah. So nothing's sticking, basically. So we started exploring surrogacy and went into full research mode, um, I think towards the end of last summer. Uh, again, didn't know where, um, where to do it. We explored it, you know in the UK, in the US, in Ukraine, in Georgia. Um, and, you know, I had coffee with strangers, spoke mm. to umpteen mm. agencies, yeah. asked questions, made spreadsheets, you know, mm. the like. So, yeah. And then um, we eventually decided on surrogacy in Ukraine. And um, uh, we were matched within a couple of months. And then our surrogate, actually, we had like three stops and starts. So her endometrium wasn't... <laughs> Oh wasn't um, wasn't responding very well to the drugs. That honestly, at that point, I thought, "Oh my god, this is." I kind of felt like I had a monopoly of on this problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, so this is a woman who's you know been a surrogate before, and she has um, a number of children of her own. So anyway, they then in December did a natural cycle actually with her, and I I was just okay. obviously question everything along the way, and then on Christmas Day we found out that um, oh, she's pregnant. Christmas, Christmas Day. Day, yeah, so, that's gorgeous. Yeah, so it was it's like yeah exactly, um, and yes, we're expecting a baby via a surrogate um, in August. So okay. that was the sh- <laughs> the short version. In a nutshell, you kept it very short, but that's not the end of your story right now, is it? No. Um, so we've obviously expecting a surrogate, expecting a baby via a surrogate abroad, mm-hmm. um, has its complications right now because we are in the time of Corona. Um, so you know we obviously were elated to finally, after all these years, uh, be pregnant, yeah. mm. and went to the the thirteen week scan in February, um, and, you know, which was very emotional and wonderful. Um, and then I think about two weeks later, <laughs> Ukraine locked its borders. Oh so, yeah, I mean, as you know, things have happened um, quickly. So Ukraine locked its borders. The borders are still locked. There are no yeah. commercial flights going in and out of Ukraine at the moment, um, which means that if the baby was born right now, we actually couldn't get to the baby. Um, but since then, I've spent a lot of time, you know, again, going into full research mode and speaking mm-hmm. to other intended parents who are also expecting babies. And in particular, the the US and the Australian governments were quite quick um, negotiating what they call humanitarian visas with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs okay. in Ukraine. Okay. 
Um, so they are granting um, entry for, you know, intended parents. And and in our case, so under Ukrainian law, we are the legal parents. So okay. the baby is born, is automatically British at birth. So it doesn't okay. have any other nationality. So mm-hmm. the argument really is that the British government should help, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. this baby when it's born. Um, so I've spent... A lot of time in the last few weeks writing letters to RMP, to the Shadow Foreign Secretary, to um, Mr. Rob, who I'm sure had better things to do lately. But um, no, whatever. My mother-in-law wrote to her MP, my father to his MP, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I've actually had some responses this week. So from the Shadow, from Lisa Nandy's office and from my MP saying that, you know, this is now on the agenda of the the FCOs, the Foreign Office. Amazing. So they probably will help us. So, yeah. I mean, the whole the whole COVID thing, obviously, we planned to go there several times to be there for scans and, you know, to to form a stronger bond with the surrogate as well, because there's a language barrier. Yeah. And, you know, every time mm. you meet this, uh, think, but that's not happening now. But. Yeah, that's what we um, one of the things we were going to ask was, you know, going back slightly, how does it normally work with the surrogate birth? So, like, what was the what was the original plan? Yeah, so, I mean, the original plan is and. The plan is very much um, still so that we we will be there for, for you know the birth of the baby and then the baby is is handed to us straight away. But mm. um, so if we're not there, um, I've spoken to people. And the option is really to hire a nanny and get a power of attorney um, with a mm. lawyer in the Ukraine, and then the nanny would take care of the baby which again is you know some random stranger that you've never met that is the worst case scenario i'm still determined to get there (laughs) by the end of july early august so Uh, we also have to quarantine when we get there so that's another um, oh my god how long is that um so right now it's 14 days um and until this week you had to quarantine in a state sanctioned facility and lovely (laughs) imagination is running wild Um, ukrainian prison yes exactly (laughs) Um, um, but now you can, they've actually launched an app this week so you can okay. um, self-isolate um, and then so with the app I think there's a you know a geo tracker and they call you once a day mm. and within 15 minutes you have to send a photo of the location where you're at but you need a okay. Ukrainian mobile number and in order to download the app and you have to have the app when you cross the border so oh god oh my god so, but anyway, but those are, I mean, those are practical de- details. So at least I know about them. I have a little bit, we have a little bit of time. So. so what are the next steps? Like what's, what's, what are you hoping will happen next to kind of get you to that? So place? I'm writing to the British embassy in, in Ukraine and I'm hoping that um, we're granted a humanitarian visa. I'm hoping that there will be some commercial flights. Um, and then we are hoping to go out there towards the end of July, early August, in order to have enough uh, time to quarantine and then be there for the birth. Um, so that is, those are sort of the next steps. It's probably, I mean, the borders, you know, things might change as well, but I have a feeling the borders will be closed um, longer than we hope. So yeah. there is an alternative, actually, and some intended parents um, have been flying to Minsk, so in Belarus, and then they drive, um, they get a special permit to cross the border and you have to drive seven or eight hours so that's an option as well or hiring a private jet a few another few parents are doing so wow hiring which obviously is hugely costly um yeah, again regal arm <laughs> yeah exactly actually one of my friends said we'll, we'll crowdfund don't worry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. from my private jet yeah exactly um, <laughs> have you kind of met other 
parents that are going through the same thing? Are you have you got kind of a little crew? Yes. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I've met parents who've gone through the same thing pre-COVID. So, mm-hmm. um, and I know you you had uh, Claire on your on your we podcast did. early on. And yeah, so Claire's, Claire's an amazing support. And again, it just shows, you know, the TTC community and the, the people you mm-hmm. meet along the way. Um, mm. So she's been, a, you know, a tremendous help. And I think, you know, how, if you've had someone who's gone through it before, they're organised, they, you know, they, you know, she's given me so many tips. Right now I'm part of a, a WhatsApp group with people, so British intended parents who are expecting babies in in the next uh, couple of months. Um, but actually two couples had their babies born prematurely yesterday. So they are now oh, on a wow. flight oh, wow. to Minsk. Um, so they missed the birth. Uh, a lot of intended parents have missed the birth in the last few few weeks. But so oh good. My God. But, but the thing is, you move kind of your goalpost. You know, first I was with COVID, I was upset that we couldn't get to the scans. I was upset that, yeah. mm. you know, we're not going to spend as much time with our surrogate as we'd hoped and all those things. Um, my employer has actually been super helpful and super flexible and they said I could work from, we happen to have an office in Kiev, you know, whenever I wanted to. So that was sort of the plan, you know, yeah. get to know the city more, uh, better, etc. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously that's not happening, but you, you sort of move the goalpost and now we're just desperate to get there for the birth. Really, yeah, of so. course. This is a pretty loaded question, but how is it all making you feel? Like, are you managing to kind of stay positive and like you're throwing yourself into like the spreadsheets and the research or... You know, how are you coping? Um, yes, yeah, so I think I'm, I'm just, um, I'm a pretty positive person to start with, so that's easier. And I think I'm just, we're just thrilled that we've got a baby on the way, you know, and, and things. Yeah. It's just pretty, um, I mean, it's, you know, I'm getting all emotional here, but it's just amazing after all these years mm-hmm. of having kind of bad news after bad news after bad news. Um, but I still... You know, it's hard to believe because I'm not pregnant myself. Um, so, like, my day-to-day yeah. goes on. Um, actually, my husband's a lot better at talking about it than I am. Um, Is kind he? Of, yeah, absolutely. I sort of just, like, shut down. But, you know, um, I have a stepson as well who's eight, and he's now started talking about his little sister daily, you know, so uh, which, which is fantastic, you know, and it's a, he's going to be a big brother for the first time. So that's also helped, I think, in the sense, because when it comes to kids, you sort of have to... Yeah. 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 I mean, he was trying to, he's trying, my COVID, my <laughs> working office is in the room that will be the nursery. And he came in the other day and said, you're going to have to move your desk because we need to put a cop there. <laughs> this baby's coming. <laughs> she needs her I own know. room. And I'm just like, well, and he's, you know, he, as any eight-year-old boy, loves his PS4. And he created a, a PS4 profile the other day called Little Sister. You know, it's Aww. just, <laughs> and I was trying to explain oh, yeah. that she won't be able to play for a few years. but <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, oh, so he's helping kind of my emotional. I think I'm just, and I think this is very common with anyone who's, I'm sure you got too felt the same, you know, when you're pregnant after infertility, you just, part of you doesn't believe it. And you yeah. just, you're, I don't know, you just want to protect yourself, I think, so. Massively, of course. So, but yeah, but, you know, the writing the letters and the, you know, engaging with <laughs> politician helps in a, yeah. in a kind of, I feel like I'm doing something kind of way, so. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Do you, in a strange way, I mean, considering you can't be there for the scans and you can't be there for, you know, to to get to know the surrogate, do you feel like doing all this is helping you bond with the baby? Yeah, it does a little bit, actually. And uh, I mean, they've, you know, the surrogate was amazing, so she couldn't go to the scan in the normal clinic where... Mm -hmm. 
because she li- she doesn't live in in Kiev, so she, so a scan was organized. The twenty week scan was organized close to where she lives. And, you know, she brought a memory stick along, and so I have you know ten minutes of footage, you know, which we okay. watched over oh, and over again. Yeah. It's kind of, of the best lockdown short <laughs> film, yeah. but uh, but yeah, I think it does help me bond with a baby. But I wouldn't say I'm bonding with a baby because it's it's just it's so you know you feel disconnected. I'm so far yeah. away, and I'm you know yeah. It's- it, I, I can't imagine how hard it must be. I cannot. Oh, thank you. It's yeah. just... So w- what happens next? So I, well, just wait, I think. Um, I've mm-hmm. started... <laughs> um, I think we're just monitoring the situation. We're trying to see, you know, whether some flights become available. Um, uh-huh. Book our flights, write to the embassy, try and get a humanitarian visa. Um, and really crossing our fingers, you know. Yeah. So, and just trying to get to Kiev in time. Have you have you been um, have you been kind of buying stuff for the baby? Because I know that's one of the things when you when you are pregnant after infertility is you don't want to buy anything. But I think yeah, I is didn't. doing that well, kind of helping you to kind of prepare and so make it feel real. I haven't bought anything <laughs> at all <laughs> yet. Um, although my. My sister-in-law messaged me the other day and said, um, baby formula might be running out. Um, so I suggest you shouldn't buy some. Uh, my husband, uh, you know, he's also had a baby before. So he um, went yeah. ahead and purchased some. Um, okay. So that's it. And my stepson wanted to buy a baby grow for his little sister and wanted Aww. a onesie for himself. So that's, that's it so far. <laughs> so I, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story because it's, it's just such a hard time for you. What? I mean, what is your advice to anybody who is looking for a surrogate? Where should they go? What is the best kind of course of action once you've made that decision? Um, so, I mean, I think the the number one thing is really, you know, do your research. And I mean, if yeah. I had had a friend or, you know, a family member who could carry it for me, that would be my ideal situation. Mm. But I didn't, and it's a big ask. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of research into, you know, surrogacy in the UK, uh, surrogacy mm-hmm. in the US, in Ukraine and Georgia, which were sort of the, the four countries I, I knew. And in the yeah. UK, the surrogacy agencies told me the wait list was closed. And after all these years, you, you know, you sort of just want to get on with it. Um, yeah. We were deciding between the US and Ukraine. Actually, in hindsight, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy we chose the Ukraine. I think we'd have bigger issues with the US right now during COVID. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it boiled down to speaking to lots of people, having lots of coffees, mm-hmm. you know, meeting people, meeting people who've gone through the process, mm-hmm. um, speaking to loads of agencies, and there's so much fluff, and, you know, these websites are just, um, unba- some of them are unbearable, especially the American ones, you know, really, I had a list, <laughs> I mean, it's really, yeah, hard work. Um, so I'd have, you know, a list of questions, and I'd ask this, uh, all the different agencies the same questions, you know, the criteria that were important to us, you know, location, you know, selection criteria for surrogate, um, welfare of surrogate, hugely important. Um, cost, of course. Time was really important. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the deciding factors in the end. Um, so, yeah, so in the end, we had, I think we had 10 criteria and we just listed, it basically scored. Um, so it's a bit like a work exercise in that sense. Um, but I remember being really overwhelmed last summer because I'd spoken to so many doctors as well, you know, in the US and agencies and my consultant here, etc. And it was just mm-hmm. a little overwhelming, I think. Sometimes you can have too much information. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, research, you know, ask the questions, um, you know, speak to others who have been through the process because some people also have a terrible time, you know, there's, and those, are, unfortunately, the stories are quite often make the news. 
Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and be prepared that it takes time, I think, is another... Yeah. Um, practically, it takes time. You know, it's not like you get pregnant and nine months later, it takes time to repair. But then it's also a huge emotional process because you go through... You know, you sort of have to come to terms with the fact that you're not going to be pregnant and it's a grief in itself, yeah. I think. Yeah. Mm. Is so, there a support group that people can go to? Um, I don't know of a surrogacy support group. I mean, I I know of a Facebook group, you know, for surrogacy in the Ukraine, but it's not really a support group. But, yeah. I mean, if you can't afford it, therapy is, you know, is, is what saw me through, really, I think. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, Emily, thank you so much. Yeah. Pleasure, ladies. Well, thank absolutely. you for having me delighted for you it's just a bump in the road and yeah all will all will work out thank you now it's time for IVF what the f what the f and this is a real what the f isn't it oh yeah I think it is the the diagnosis of what the f yeah (laughs) chronic what the f yeah um Unextended infertility is probably the most frustrating thing yeah. and that if, you can end up with. It feels like it can't be a thing. Like, yeah. it's got, there, there must be an explanation. You just can't find it. The doctor sits down and goes, your diagnosis is, we don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is fucking frustrating. But I actually think that Professor Tim here um, gives us, a, gives those gives people who've been diagnosed with it a little bit of hope yeah 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 absolutely i don't i don't want to spoil what he says but um he does there's a good stat in there that's quite like right at the end that's quite pleasing good old pro tea eh yeah so here's what he has to say about it so unexplained fertility affects around one in three couples who are having issues conceiving so the definition of infertility is failure to conceive after 12 months of regular unprotected intercourse And understandably, you can only say something is unexplained once you've actually ruled out the uh, other causes. So the sort of causes, the sort of checks that we'll be doing, is the woman ovulating? Are the tubes patent or open? And um, is the sperm quality suitable? Is Is there a normal semen analysis? And those are really the three pillars of testing. So for ovulation, normally you'd get a uh, mid luteal progesterone test done that's done seven days before the woman's period so if it's a 28 day cycle that'd be often it's called a day 21 progesterone but if you've got a 25 day cycle 25 minus 7 is 18 you need to have the blood test done around about um, day 18 so check for ovulation check the tubes that can be with a hycosi scan uh, an hsg x-ray or a laparoscopy and dye and obviously a semen analysis semen analysis as well if they all come back as completely normal, then it, it would seem that the couple would have unexplained um, infertility. Now, unexplained doesn't mean that it's definitely unexplained. It just means that we've not found a cause yet. So, for instance, the woman could have endometriosis because you can only really see endometriosis at laparoscopy, which is keyhole surgery. If you have a, a pelvic scan and you have a hycosia or, or an HSG checking the tubes and that's all fine, all you've really said is that the tubes are open, there's no fibroids and there are no endometriosis cysts within the ovaries. Because very importantly, much endometriosis is actually outside of the ovaries. It's sort of on the lining of the peritoneum, which is the, the lining of the pelvis. And you can't see that endometriosis without a laparoscopy. 
The problem is that having a laparoscopy uh, does involve an invasive, invasive operation and there are some risks associated with that. So you don't, you don't want to put every woman with infertility through a laparoscopy. So therefore, nowadays, what most clinics will do is if there are symptoms suggestive of endometriosis, such as uh, pelvic pain during the cycle or pain during intercourse, pain on passing urine or opening your bowels, then certainly a laparoscopy may be indicated. So the bottom line is when we say unexplained infertility, it just means that the tests so far have been normal. But unless you go on having laparoscopy and potentially lots of other investigations as well, you can't say that for sure. Importantly, though, from an IVF perspective, once a couple have been trying for 24 months or so, then whether the cause of infertility is unexplained or male factor or blocked tubes, the success rate is very much the same. So the cause of infertility doesn't actually affect the chance of IVF working. The main factor at that point is actually the age of the woman's eggs. That's it, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. I also hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, but all all of the luck sending to Emily and to anyone else that's in the same position as her. Oh my god, yeah, and to anybody who's getting their treatment restarted as well. Yeah, definitely. Hope it all works out, guys, and ASAP. Yeah. So what what are we doing next week? So next week we've got a lovely interview with the gorgeous Zoe Clark Coates, who's talking about um, grief, pregnancy loss, um, baby loss, and well, particularly we had a good chat about pregnancy after loss, which I think is okay. something that um, is important. And she's got a book okay. coming out about it, so we had a nice chat about that. Also, I just wanted a quick before we start saying thanks to everyone one of our australian listeners emailed in and asked us if we know of any support groups over there we don't if you are an are an australian listener and you know of support groups and meetups and that kind of thing can you give us a shout yeah let us know definitely so we can cool. pay it forward absolutely um okay well thanks to emily yes thanks to liz and nick thanks to professor tim thanks to emma Oh, thanks to you, mate. Thanks to my. Well. Thanks to your dress. Oh yeah, God, thanks. Eat <sighs> a god for my dress. Um, but also thanks to Acast. Indeed, thanks to Acast. Okay, guys. Okay. Have, have a, a lovely week. week. Stay safe. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 